I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. back to Don't Interrupt Me, Por Favor. We are a weekly show, and we speak in Spanish, and we speak in English. And I'm, I'm, my name is, is Nick Leiber. I'm one of the hosts here. And here is Lisa Button, another one of the hosts here. Lisa, hola, hola. Estás aquí? Sí. ¿Me oyes? Sí, aquí estoy. Hola, Nick. Y hay otro, hay otro, otro co-host, ¿cómo se llama? El Guillermo Fesser. El señor Fesser, pero no se encuentra por aquí hoy. ¿Por qué no? Why is Guillermo not here today? He's mm. in some place like uh, overseas. Yeah, he's, he's pretty far away. And uh, but we we do have. Uh, I think we can hear from him somehow, can't we? We're we're going to hear from Guillermo, who is making a film about child poverty in the Philippines right now. Hola Lisa, hola Nick, uh, don't interrupt me por favor. Saludos desde Papandayang, un barrio de la ciudad de Marawi, en Lanao del Sur, en las islas filipinas, en la isla de Mindanao. Bueno, para centrarnos, en un basurero. Estoy en un basurero, estoy en un landmill, estoy en un dump site where children every single morning go and look around the garbage to find some plastic bottles, some pieces of metal, some scrap that they can sell in the market for cents and help to survive their families. Uh, es curioso porque esto que parece un horror te demuestra que los seres humanos eh, somos todos iguales y que nos adaptamos a lo que hay y que la felicidad surge en los sitios más insospechados. Estoy aquí para hacer una película, eh, una historia para contarle a los niños de nuestros colegios de lo que llamamos el primer mundo, en qué consiste el hambre crónica, el hambre invisible, para que cuanto más nos conozcamos unos a otros, más fácil sea echarnos una mano. The idea is to produce a movie, film a movie for kids. They're going to watch it in school, so it has to be funny in order for them to have fun. I always thought that there's two very important concepts in life. One is to have fun and one is to learn something. If you only learn, 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 life is boring. If you only have fun, have fun, have fun, you feel like your life is wasted. But when you can have fun learning something, when you can learn something having fun, then bingo. So that's the challenge and that's what we're going to try to do. Some laughter of the kids uh, in this landmill when they saw us coming with a little puppet uh, called Paquito and we tried to entertain them uh, in between the trucks that are coming with the garbage and before and after they have to go to work. Anyways, I'm sorry I'm not with you guys in this show today. Don't interrupt me, por favor, but I wish you the best of luck and I'll see you soon next week. Adios. Adiós, Guillermo. Y hola, Julia Santos Salomon. Buenos días, ¿cómo están? Estoy muy bien. Y también, uh, en vez de llamarte Julia, también podemos llamarte Ibelice, ¿verdad? <risa> Eso le encantaría a mi familia que me llamaras Ibelice. <risa> y hablando de niños, y hablando de, de hacer reír a los niños, sí. usted ha, o, o tú has creado un, un mural, un mural. Sí. cerquita al, al donde estamos aquí en el show sí. para explicar un poco eres, eres artista multi, de multimedia de muchos medios sí. pero ha creado un mural sí. cerca de aquí explica por qué y, y cómo es bueno yo fui invitada por el, uh, el festival de O, o Positive sí. uh, and they 
were very, very generous with me. I wanted to um, work in Midtown uh, because I wanted to be close to teens and kids from the neighborhood, particularly kids uh, of diverse backgrounds. And um, when I went to design the mural, I was thinking very carefully about each element, and in particular, the face of the child that's there is intended to be multicultural, multi-ethnic, um, and um, estuve la experiencia eh, tan linda de poder conversar con muchos de los muchachos allá. Eh, el YMCA, que es donde está el mural, me ofreció la, la oportunidad de en realidad estar en contacto con esa comunidad que yo quería con los muchachos de, del colegio que iban a tener curiosidad al verme ahí haciendo un mural. Para mí el mural es algo que es eh, arte pública y eso significa que eh, ellos son los dueños de ese mural. Cada vez que lo ven, tienen la oportunidad de tener una interacción con algo que los representa. Uh, for me, making art is a private process that has incredible power as a public statement. The reason I say that is because uh, if you think of a mural in a community, it is owned by the community. It's not locked up in someone's home or in a museum. And quite often, the people who are going to see it may not visit a museum or they may not have that opportunity. But when it's on a wall, it's theirs. And I understand the power of that. And I was very grateful that when I was working there, I had the opportunity to actually work with some of these kids. Tell us, about, tell us a little about, about some of these kids who came by. And well, you know, um, there were high school kids who were on the wall with me who would really not interact. Were they painting as well? They were. Oh, cool. Okay. You know, um, I assigned... Lisa Button, are you interrupting? I am. I'm, I am interrupting. <laughs> <laughs> it's wonderful. Um, they came by to paint with me. I had uh, put up the design for the mural on the wall, and it stayed there the whole time. So if they were coming by at a time when I was not there, they could see what stage I was at. And what I was fascinated about is that some of the high school kids who came were kids who would not in interact with each other ordinarily in the high school. Uh, I had... Um, but art was bringing them together in one place at one time. Yes, and they were so excited about that. And I was beside myself. I had a couple of boys in ninth grade who were trying to be tough and you know, wanted my attention in a certain way. And I kind of resolved that by making them paint the zebra. <laughs> 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 I went to the dollar store and I bought a, a shower curtain <laughs> and I could draw on it. You know, and uh, say, this is what I want you to do. Wow. And all of a sudden, it was theirs. And that's a miracle. I think that's the miracle of art, that kind of strength of communication. And, and you've taken your art not just in Kingston, but internationally. Can, can you tell us a little bit about uh, other art and art education yes. projects? Well, um, Voy a hablar en español. ¿verdad? Sí, claro. Sí, que sí. sí. En la, en, en Porque el... la, la, la historia empieza, no empieza en Kingston, empieza no. un poco no. más lejos. Sí, yo soy eh, emigrante de la República Dominicana y eh, esa experiencia es algo que me ha marcado y ha definido mucho mi vida. De niña, a mi familia fue separada cuando yo tenía cuatro años. Mi tía y mi, y mi mamá emigraron a los Estados Unidos y empezaron el proceso de, de buscar papeles para traernos. Así que tú te quedaste con quién? Con mi abuelita. Ajá. Me quedé con mi abuela, 
en la República Dominicana, pero eh, sentíamos eh, el peso de la separación creada por la inmigración. Era algo que iba a crear una vida nueva para nosotros, y en realidad lo ha hecho, pero emocionalmente uno vive esa separación. Sí. Y cuando yo tenía cuatro años no entendía qué significaba esperar cinco años, seis años, sin mi familia. Es una eternidad. Sí. Sin, y uno de niño no tiene control, ¿no? Así que mucho de mi arte eh, viene de ese lugar. Uh, tengo un, una serie llamada La narrativa de familia que eh, dice, cuenta nuestra historia de inmigrantes. Y cada, eh, cada carácter, cada persona está representado en un busto. Eh, son cuatro generaciones de mujeres en mi familia que fueron parte de ayudarnos a emigrar y a sobrevivir. Mi intención es de, a, dirigirme a los hijos de migrantes uh -huh. que no nacieron en, en el país de sus padres, pero que han tenido la vida entera aquí en los Estados Unidos. Y quiero que entiendan de dónde vienen uh -huh. o que cuestionen, que tengan curiosidad. Um, I'm going to switch to English. I would love for them to ask their family who came first. You know, what, 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 how did they celebrate a birthday party? Um, just to understand the dynamics of where they are. My, my daughter is a fourth generation. And she was born there, ironically. She was born there because I was teaching in the Dominican Republic for Parsons School of Design. So she was born there, but we came to the States when she was seven months old. And frankly, she doesn't have that relationship with the Dominican Republic that I have. Mm -hmm. My nieces and nephews who are in her generation also don't have that relationship. And it's become my desire to address those generations and say, be curious about where you come from because there's a lot to be gleaned from your roots. Perdónale que te interrumpo, pero tenemos que tomar una breve pausa y, y ahora volvemos contigo y con otro invitado. back here at Radio Kingston with Don't Interrupt Me, Por Favor. We're here, we're introducing a new guest to the show, Manuel Oliver. Um, Manuel, thank you for joining us today from Florida. It's a pleasure being here. I, I, I'm so honored to be part of this show. Well, we were just talking in studio with Julia Santos Solomon, who has been using her art to start conversations about immigration and culture, among other subjects. And I know you have been using your art lately to start another very important conversation. Can you tell us what, what's going on now in your life? Sure. Um, our life changed dramatically a year ago. Uh, we lost our son, Joaquin Oliver, at the Portland shooting in Florida. And um, we just needed to do something. And, and the only thing that I was able to do was keep on using my art that I've been doing for a while and just turn the message into something that will not only honor my son, but also um, fight gun violence and demand for, for real answers. So basically, I am the same guy that I was before the before my son was murdered, but I just have a new mission in life. Um, that's pretty much a short way of explaining what we're doing now, me and my wife. So before we get into more about that, please tell us a, a bit about your son. Who was he? He was an awesome uh, person. He was, he was great. Um, 
he he was also my best friend. <clears throat> we used to hang out a lot together. Very sweet guy. Uh, very smart dude. Very handsome dude. Um, he was 17 years old, so he was he was he had some passion for sports and writing, and uh, he was just a great person. Um, it's it's very um, it's totally unfair what happened uh, to him and what happens to 40,000 people per year. It's not only about Joaquin. Um, and Patricia and I decided to go beyond Joaquin in this fight. But uh, just to answer the question about who Joaquin was and how he was, I, I just can tell you that it's, it's the best person that I ever met in my whole life. When when you um, started Change the Ref, what was your mission? Well, uh, let me just tell you a little bit about the name Change the Ref and where it's coming from. Um, Joaquin, again, he had uh, he loved sports. He played basketball, and one day, and I was coaching his his team, and one day he um, he got a, a terrible call from the referee that he thought it was totally unfair. He started arguing with the referee, and then he was thrown out of the game. Then I went in because Joaquin asked me to, to solve the problem, and then I was also thrown out of the game. So on our way home, Joaquin told me that with this referee, there's no way we can win any game. It's, it's, these guys like receive money from the other team or something. I mean, we have to do something about it. We have to change that referee. So two weeks later, my, my son was shut down in his school. And, and I remember that conversation when I started looking at the news and, and the whole debate about the NRA and the gun lobby, putting money inside our politicians' pockets, and which are actually the persons in charge of making the right calls. And, and it suddenly it, it appeared like a perfect way to keep on going with what Joaquin already knew was an unfair situation. That's where Change the Ref is coming from as a name. And, and the mission is just what Joaquin would be doing. I mean, we, we're looking for a fair game. We don't, we don't approve and we, don't, we, we will never be okay with politicians that are un, unable to make any decision because they are receiving money from, from either side of the uh, discussion. So that's basically how we started it. How are, how are you getting the message out about what the Change the Ref is trying to do. I know that you, for example, painted on the border wall. I know that you recently completed a mural in New York City. You're, it, what else are you doing? or How, how are you using your, your art to, to get the message out? Well, it's, it's a learning process, okay? Um, Nobody wants to be where we are. I always wanted to be a, a, an artist that everybody will know what I was doing. I guess that you never know what to ask for because now that's where I am right now, but for a reason that is totally a terrible nightmare. Um, I, it's a learning process. It started it by me just trying to get rid of my anger and my and my passion to communicate with people by making these walls of demand. And then that evolved into, into a more planning exercise and activation. And as you, as you just mentioned, we, it, it became a thing that it would, only, it would also include a location within a specific message that will make perfect sense in, in terms of advertising the message, like trying to amplify the message. And Tijuana, so, oh, pardon, I'm interrupting you. <laughs> no, no, that's fine, go ahead. Yeah, no, in Tijuana, uh, on the border wall, you had painted, del otro lado también matan a nuestros hijos. ¿Por qué ese mensaje? Y, y, y nos puedes contar un poco de cómo fue ese día y, y, y al, algunos detalles. Claro, um, 
una de las, de las conversaciones que yo tuve con Joaquín en, en, en múltiples ocasiones era en relación a, a la inmigración en los Estados Unidos y cómo Joaquín eh, estaba en, con, en total eh, en contra de, la, de las medidas que se estaban tomando. Nosotros somos una familia de inmigrantes, por ende nos, nos pega cada vez que, que, se, que se refieren a nosotros como criminales, como como personas no gratas, porque somos los culpables de aprender de todos los daños que esta nación tiene. Eh, nunca compartimos ese mensaje, esa ideología, y lo que hicimos en Tijuana fue un poco eh, combinar los dos las dos causas que uh -huh. nos mueven. Obviamente la causa principal es la violencia por armas, pero no muy lejos está el tema migratorio. Y nos resultó interesante eh, luego de que se nos tildó de criminales y, y, de, y de asesinos y de, 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 de dealers de drogas, decidimos eh, cruzar la frontera, ir al muro, eh, al, al actual muro, porque el programa se llama, lo, el programa que tenemos nosotros se llama Walls of Demand, uh -huh. y me parecía muy bueno hacer un wall en el wall. Y, pero claro que no me hubieran permitido pintarlo de este lado de la frontera. Uh -huh. Entonces fuimos a San Diego, cruzamos la frontera y eh, allá sí teníamos la libertad de hacerlo. Eh, y bueno, pusimos ese mensaje un poco para que el mundo entero se dé cuenta de que nuestra nación sufre un grandes problemas. Eh, muchos de nosotros nos venimos aquí con la intención de que nuestro sueño americano se cumpliera y fíjate dónde estamos nosotros ahora. Estamos en una situación de activismo en un país en el cual ni siquiera nacimos. Pero pero tenemos muchas razones para hacer lo que hacemos. O sea, tenemos más razones para quedarnos y continuar haciendo lo que hacemos que para irnos a ningún otro lado, porque nuestro hijo fue asesinado aquí. Uh -huh. eh, el, mensaje Tijuana, el, mensaje, el mensaje en Tijuana tenía esa doble intención. Y, y por supuesto fue muy polémico, muy viral por el hecho de de lo que significa cruzar la frontera y, y, y ser no tradicionales al momento de, de plantear el activismo. Vino la policía cuando estabas ahí, Manuel, y ¿qué, qué, expli qué explicaste a, a, la, a la policía que, que vino para preguntar qué estabas haciendo ahí, pintando? La, la policía mexicana eh, en Tijuana inmediatamente entendió al, al yo explicarle que la razón por la cual estaba haciendo esto eh, ellos no estos países son muy violentos no yo no voy a no voy a alejarme de la realidad incluso de mi, de mi país de origen que es Venezuela de lo violenta de, de lo de lo violentas que son estas sociedades sin embargo las cosas que suceden en este país en Estados Unidos son poco frecuentes en, tanto en México como en Venezuela el hecho de que un joven legalmente pueda adquirir un arma, entrar a una escuela y matar a Mansalva sin, sin ninguna razón eh, que la de, no sé, ignoro por qué alguien hace eso. Creo que es un tema cultural eh, muy, muy deteriorado como cultura. Eh, una vez que le expliqué esta situación a, a, las, a las autoridades mexicanas, ellos lo entendieron. Y, 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 y cada vez que lo explico, incluso a autoridades americanas, Uh -huh. terminan entendiendo que lo que yo estoy haciendo tiene un sentido y que no y que no y que lejos de agredir a nadie está buscando más bien una solución uh -huh. bueno creo que tenemos una pregunta aquí de Julia hola Manuel hola. soy Julia Santos Salomón quería decirte que tengo el corazón roto por la situación de tu hijo que murió de esa manera pero sé que al ser artistas, tenemos esa capacidad de comunicarnos con personas que estén de frente de nosotros y personas que estén con el mural, los que no están cuando tú estés, que pueden leer lo que has escrito, comprender lo que estás poniendo y llevar eso también en su corazón. Porque lo que estás haciendo es comunicar con personas que van a entender lo que estás sintiendo. Yo siento tu dolor y quería expresarme en esa manera, eh, que si estuviéramos acá, te diera un abrazo a ti y a tu esposa por esta 
pérdida tan enorme, pero quiero felicitarte por tomar la decisión de llevarlo a la calle, eh, de luchar con los implementos que tenemos, que es el arte. Y que sepas que hay muchas comunidades que sienten eh, el dolor y, y necesitan ver lo que estás haciendo y compartir con tu mensaje y echarlo para adelante. Y te doy las gracias por hacerlo. Gracias, Julia. Eh, yo, eh, yo simplemente soy padre de Joaquín. Y, y algo que, que en ocasiones le, le he explicado a la gente es que el, el 14 de febrero de 2018 yo perdí a Joaquín, pero Joaquín no me perdió a mí. Joaquín uh -huh. no perdió a su mamá. Uh -huh. y, y eso nos, nos hace eh, de alguna forma seguir siendo padres. Y, y es lo que hacemos hoy en día. No, no, no nos sentimos que estamos haciendo nada especial. Eh, nos gusta que tenga un efecto sobre la sociedad, porque es, al, al, a fin de cuentas es un mensaje positivo. Pero pero ante, ante cualquier otra intención está la de continuar siendo los, los padres de Joaquín. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And we're back at Don't Interrupt Me, Por Favor, with Manuel Oliver, who's talking to us about the aftermath of um, when his son was killed um, in Florida a year ago at his own school. Um, this past week, we saw a historic uh, legislation being passed by the House. Um, anti-gun legislation, gun control. And so we wanted to ask you, was that enough? What do you, what do you hope is going to happen? Well, there's, I have a mixed feeling when it comes to, to what's happening in Congress. Um, yes, they did pass that bill after 20 years of holding it. Um, and I don't want to be... Um, What I'm trying to say here is that we already had a, a totally democratic majority in Congress several times, even in Senate, even in, in the White House. We had a black president. We had a, a blue president. We had a red president. We had, we had all possible combinations. And if it wasn't for the pressure that we're putting out there, this would never happen. Um, so it's not, I, I want to make sure that everybody understands that this is, these, are, these are small changes for me. But the only reason that they are going through and moving forward is because of what we're doing as a, as a society. Um, I think that that's a very small step. I think it's very pretty obvious to, to approve that uh, universal background check bill. Um, it's not affecting anyone. It's actually something good for everybody, even if you're a gun owner or not. It, it's going to be good for you, for your kids, and for your family. Um, but now we have a new challenge is the Senate floor, and, and apparently this is where things get stuck in America. So the pressure, if we did a lot of things before, the pressure needs to also increase, and, and that's the plan. I never, I never thought the politicians by themselves will be able to solve the problem. I think that the pressure is it's a must-do from our side, and I'm willing to do it. I don't, I don't have any fear. I don't believe in any risk that I'm taking. Um, When you put in a balance, uh, me losing my son versus me making big noise no matter what, 
I'll go with a big noise no matter what because I'm not I'm not I don't think they understand the the urgency of these things to be approved and passed. Do you do you think of it as two extremely different sides? Do you see overlap? I guess what I'm trying to ask you, Manuel, is how do you convince people um, of of your message? How do you get people who identify with guns as wanting to enact common sense change? How do you how do you reach those people? It's it's not easy. Um, I don't use the word convince uh, because that's pretty. It will, it will take a lot, and and it's and it's really not what I do. I like to use the word impact, and and that's actually something that you can do through art, and and you have to educate yourself into what you're fighting for, which is what I do every single day, in order to have fresh ideas of things uh, that are approach in a different direction, in a different way. Uh, something that I'm that I'm trying to put together here is that it's a system that will surprise that gone that pro gone guy or that pro gone mother and and make them think and understand that their kids are also in risk. Um, more guns cannot solve the problem. It's just a, a resolution that is coming from the gun lobby, you can tell. Army teachers is not the solution. Um, I like to be inclusive when I when I make this point. If, if you need to arm teachers to prevent school shootings, then you will need to arm bartenders, and then you will need to arm musicians, and then you will need to arm yoga instructors. Because it's happening everywhere. Yeah. So once you put all those issues together you have a common issue and and these are arguments that are not even bringing numbers out there this is not something that i'm just saying because i want to say this is the actual truth um along with impacting images at the end of the day it will it will make them think different well you had that sculpture of a child under a desk and i that had a very profound impact on me when I saw that. It, I, I, is that one of the pieces of art you've done that you think has reached people of all background beliefs? All sides yes. of the aisle. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Actually, that is it's called the last lockdown, and we did 10 of those because it's not only that art. It, you can do art, but that goes back to when I was telling you about the location and the moment. Mm-hmm. We made ten of those sculptures. Where are and, they? And we, I'm sorry. Where are they located? Oh, right now they are in different places. Um, some of them are just not displayed at the moment. But the reason why we made ten is because we wanted it all ten to appear on the same day in front of uh, members of Congress that were receiving money from the NRA in front of their offices. So it's not only the sculpture; it's the activation behind the sculpture and and I wanted them to see the reality of their kids that need to go to school and need to go through these uh, exercises of how do I, how am I supposed to protect myself if a shooter gets into my classroom that is not even a reality that I want to be part of uh, I refuse to do that so every time I show these images the sculptures painting even through a speech um, I try to be very dramatic um, without getting out of the reality. I had a speech last night, and at some point I told the, the whole audience, they said, wait a minute, what if we take a little break here so you can call your kids and make sure they're still alive and not dead? That was impactful. And then I said, because you understand that Patricia, my wife, was, was right there. And I said, they only mother that I know from here that doesn't need to make that call is my wife Patricia because we already know that Joaquin is dead. And that was a total silence in the room. And and I told them and, and, and I'm pretty sure that you will call as soon as I finish my speech. And they did. Mm. They did call. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm what I was referring to impacting people is the key here. Untraditional ways of fighting gun violence. 
that's what we need to do. The uh, I think one of the only times that I've been able to to talk with people and I think not talk past people when I express my personal opinions about access to guns is when I bring my own children into the equation and talk about lockdowns and soft lockdowns and hard lockdowns and you know I'm I'm thinking about a situation in South Carolina at a memorial service I attended talking with a, a Vietnam veteran who felt disrespected when he came home and has has owns lots of guns and was saying, well, you all want to do this and this and that. And I said, no, you know, I, I, I'm just one person, but I really don't want my kids to be killed in their school. And it was in saying that, and I said, maybe that's a selfish thing, you know, but I think we, we were able actually to have a conversation as opposed to talk past each other. Um, and I, I think that sort of the, you're, you're talking about, um, innovative ways in a way to reach and to, to actually be having conversations. So it's, it's so powerful and it, you know, art as both you and, and Julia know, um, is, is able to do that. Yeah. And, and we also did something, um, besides everything we, we carry Joaquin, Joaquin's message and we're, we're really carrying Joaquin's message. We decided that Joaquin will become an activist instead of a victim. And conceptually, you, and I come from the, from the creative process of, of products and advertising and art. So, so I guess that helps a lot when it comes to making these kind of positions, like that untraditional ways of fighting this. And, and, and a main key point here is that Joaquin is not a victim, Joaquin is an activist. And, and that, plays a great role in everything that we do because his message is pretty impactful. I use a lot of graphics of him pointing at people, demanding things with his own quotes. He was old enough to write a lot of things, so I don't even need to, to make quotes uh, that, that, I'm not, that I'm not actually reading from him directly. So that's been helping a lot. Um, and, it's, and it's just, again, being able to still be a father and a responsible father that now cares about more than only his kids. Well, There's more kids will fight. Your message has reached some really one of the most powerful people in the country. And uh, I noticed there was a tweet on your feed with Nancy Pelosi. So what, what is the reaction you're getting from lawmakers? They, I told them, I've, I've been very honest with everyone, and I never expect them to solve the problem. Actually, I every time I talk to Nancy Pelosi, that I, I have several times, I tell her, Nancy, you need me as much as I need you, and we're going to make this happen because you can. There's some things that they cannot do, but there's nothing that I cannot do. I don't have. No one's going to vote for me or vote me out from anywhere. So I, I own my actions, my words, my, my destiny. I can do whatever I want. And, and the more pressure I bring to society by bringing the reality again, this is not because I want to be rebel and I want to do, no, this is the real deal. And the credibility is coming from a father that cannot talk his, his son anymore or a mother that cannot give a morning kiss to her son anymore, ever again. Uh, the day that, that they murdered Joaquin, they also murdered my future grandkids and, 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 a whole, and a whole experience of life that I won't have anymore. So every time I talk to the lawmakers, politicians, whoever is in charge of saying or doing something, I let them know that they need me as much as I need them, or probably even a little more. Uh, <clears throat> so that's how we we take conversations with these people. They and I and they appreciate this, by the way, because it's true. You cannot vote and then go back home and wait for them to solve the problem. When you vote, you're involved. You're already involved in the problem. And and the way to endorse them, it's 
for them to like what you do. Not for me to like what they do. They're politicians. They could be lying. They could be just searching for votes. But I'm searching for answers. And as long as they support and endorse our ideas, then they will receive all respect and support too. You had an encounter I, I saw on video with, with Matt Getz, or Gate. I don't know if I'm pronouncing his, his last name correctly, but you seem pretty fearless. Can you tell us about what happened in that meeting you'd been invited sure. to? That was Matt Gates is his name. I don't, I don't blame you for not knowing his last name because I don't even know. I, I had no idea about this guy before. So um, I was invited uh, to this hearing and, and it was like the first discussion about uh, passing the HRA bill uh, in the, in the uh, House, all right? So the whole discussion was supposed to be about gun violence. I was sitting there hearing. It's a hearing. You're supposed to hear, not to talk. And I'm listening. And then this guy, who, I, I, again, I don't know who he is. I, I guess he's a member of Congress at this point because he had five minutes to make his point. He made his point by bringing out uh, the wall, the, 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 the need of building, the urgency of building the wall in order to stop crime and gun violence that our citizens have been victims of immigrants that cross. So he made a totally new point that not only is false, and I, and I really find it repulsive, because again, talking about our people that just decided to come to this country to have a better future. So he decided to turn the whole conversation into that, and I said, you know what? I don't play the game that way. That's when I, you, you see me standing up and pointing at him. Then he wanted me out of the room. Then I said, no, I'm not going out of the room. You're going to leave the room. So that ended up um, fine. I mean, the guy, I, I think he messed up with his future career if he wanted anything else, because then He's been making more mistakes after that one that unrelated to me. But, um, yeah, nobody likes that guy. Well, I'm going to interrupt you on that note and just say um, I would like to know, like, what are your projects that you have in the works, both you and, and Julia, um, maybe some art projects that you can tell us um, are, are that you're currently working on? Um, you're asking me? Sure, both of you. I have, uh, <laughs> have a few things. Uh, well, I will continue with the walls of the man. I've been invited to, uh, I, usually the, the way it works is that I, I'm invited to an event, and then um, that event has like probably hundreds of uh, people assisting, and they want me to draw, they want me to make a wall and make a speech uh, after the wall. So that's my regular um, activation. Besides that, uh, we're working on a stand-up um, activism that um, I will start the tour probably on May, and we're going to visit specific cities. It's a it's a one-man show on stage in in and I'll and I'll just give my my side of the story and how guns are doing this and that. It's a, it's a very, it's, it's, and, it, and it plays a lot with emotions from, from the people. I'm also invited to the Cannes Festival in France um, to make a speech about advertising and activism. Uh, and there's also a couple of other projects uh, related with the um, TV series and other stuff. So I'm going to have a busy year um, working, always using art in, in all of its different ways to to talk to people, to send the right message. This year is going to be crucial, and then next year is 2020, so that I'm, I'm pretty sure I could be very useful to to deliver some changes in the nation. That's on my side, I, and I want to hear what Julia has in mind, and maybe we can do something <laughs> together. I don't know. Well, you know, my my um, activism is comes from a very uh, personal place, meaning that I create imagery and murals that speak directly from my heart in the search of interaction with young people because I'm interested in a dialogue with them about who they are and where they come from 
and I'm interested in them finding strength in that. And um, they're hearing all these negative uh, advertising about themselves, and I want to change that for them and say there's incredible beauty in our culture, this incredible strength, this incredible knowledge, astonishing history. And um, I like the one-on-one or the small group of kids in a room approach. Uh, I have a biennial coming up in 2020 in September at El Taller Boricua in uh, Spanish Harlem in New York City. And I love that location because it gives me access to Latinx kids. My main goal, um, of course, it's wonderful to have my art up, but my main goal really is to have conversations with young people about who they are, uh, inquire what they know about their stories, and give them a stronger sense of all the possibilities that are out there for them to create change and to name themselves. You know, everybody's putting labels on us. So I want them to be able to say, this is who I am. I am not that. And I do it in a, in a I guess, a more intimate setting. Uh, I also have a mural that is scheduled to go up uh, in Woodstock. We're still working on fundraising for that. But um, I think at heart, uh, we have... Woodstock, the, sorry to interrupt. Woodstock, the town, not Woodstock, not Woodstock 3, the festival. No, Woodstock, <laughs> the town. Yeah. No, actually, <laughs> the, the festival has a 50th anniversary this year. Uh-huh. So they're going to have a lot of activity. No, no, this is in, in the town uh, at one of the local churches that has a lot of visibility. They have deeded me a, a wall there. I want to interrupt both of you now, Ma- uh, Manuel and, and Julia, and ask about language and ask about Spanish language mm-hmm. and English and talk about how you go back and forth between the two languages in your work. Let's start with you, uh, Manuel. Well, no es fácil. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, but, it's, but it's awesome. You know, every time I have uh, one, of, one of the critics that my... Um, my um, pro-gun guys that try to fight with me and debate with me. Mm-hmm. That one of the their favorite lines is that I that I don't know the language correctly. That go back to your country and we speak English in here, and you have a strong accent. They love to say that. And I, my answer is always, this is my country uh, because I decided. It's not because I was born here. I decided to move here. And, and I do have an accent, but I also have another language. So I can reach more people than, than many um, regular American citizens. And that is a, a very powerful tool. Um, yo puedo hablar con la comunidad hispana en cualquier circunstancia. Puedo hablar eh, con cualquier líder eh, eh, de la política que, que pretenda representar a la comunidad hispana. Y, Y manejo un verbo eh, que muchas veces está a la altura del que ellos manejan y, y puedo tener un debate eh, sin ningún sin ningún riesgo de cometer un error lingüístico durante la presentación en donde sea y cuando sea. So that's great. Usually my fight is in English because my issue is um, talking to all America. Pero cuando tengo que hablar con una comunidad en especial me siento muy orgulloso de poder hacerlo con la confianza y con la actitud y la dignidad hispana que nos caracteriza a mi esposa y a mí. Para mí es un gran alivio poder conversar en español. <risa> sí, un gran alivio, como que lo siento en el corazón, ¿no? <risa> eh, el idioma, mi idioma materno, el español, para mí tiene una, una intimidad que me ayuda a superar muchas cosas, porque la expresión en nuestra lengua es un poquito más profunda. Eh, el inglés, eh, a mí no me, me dicen que tengo, no tengo eh, acento, pero es un idioma que para mí es, eh, me limita. Me limita en el sentido de que la manera en que se expresa es tan específica 
diría que es un buen idioma para escribir direcciones e instrucciones, pero el español tiene tanta poesía, eh, tantas palabras que se utilizan para expresar una emoción. No es una, una palabra singular. Definitivamente es un gran puente poder comunicarse en ambos idiomas porque eh, nos abre puertas y nos abre eh, la mente también para poder tener eh, ambas lenguas que es en realidad lo que somos aquí. Somos eh, dos culturas juntas. Buen dicho. Bueno. And probably the reason for this conversation, we also have a third language, which is art. Ah, so, perfect, perfect. Yeah. The right language. Say, <laughs> anything that we cannot communicate in Spanish or English, we also have that emotional graphic language that like completes the loop of how we want to communicate and how we send our messages. It's a beautiful thing. Thank you so much, Manuel Oliver, for joining us. And, 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 and Julia and, as well. Santo and Solomon and Lisa Button and Guillermo Fesser. And, and Manuel, I just want to say to you and Patricia from the bottom of my heart, parent to parent, I, I am so sorry. And thank you for everything you're doing. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.